Finally got one, huh, Sam? <laughs> oh, Lord. A couple of announcements to start us out here. Um, our sister, Nishara um, Benton, is going to be moving. She is a new sister, was converted uh, this year. She, where are you at? Where's she at? Nishara. Nishara, she uh, was converted. You guys may remember um, earlier this year, but she is going to be moving to Los Angeles and being a part of the church there in Los Angeles. So. We love you. Thanks for blessing us for a little while with your time, but thank you so much for all you've done. Uh, also, uh, we will not have a singles uh, devotional this Friday. We're going to reschedule it uh, because of the funeral service that's coming up on Friday. So we will reschedule that. We will still have one, but it will not be this Friday because of the funeral service. And uh, also, next Sunday, we're going to have... Um, our congregational workshop. We call it a workshop. It's really going to be a communication thing for us. So the plan is we're still going to start church at 10 o'clock. So it is important that we start church at 10 o'clock. Let me say it again because there's like three amens on that one. It is important that we start at 10 o'clock. So whether you're in your seat or not, Frank, we're going to start singing at 10 o'clock from now on the existence and I hope you don't miss service, but we're going to continue. So we'll have shorter, a shorter service. We're still going to have a good sermon, but everything else is going to be shorter. So we're going to have our sermon, and then we're going to take about a 15 to 20-minute break. People can go get their kids, come back in. If you have friends with you, um, we can fellowship with them, and they can go ahead and leave if they want. They can stay. It's not some hidden meeting, meeting that we're having. Uh, but then we'll come back in. And for about 20 minutes, we're going to communicate the plan, the vision, everything for the year. What's been going on, where we're going to go ahead. We're going to give you a calendar for the whole year so you can make plans way ahead of time and know what's happening. Uh, it's just going to be a communication time, but also a vision time for where we're going to be going in the Bronx region in 2018. Amen? And you know, uh, uh, tomorrow starts Manuary. Uh, for the region. Amen. But we're not going to wait till tomorrow. We're going to start today. And so I want to uh, acknowledge and recognize the restoration of a brother, Hector Alvarez. Hector, where are you? Hector Alvarez over there. So Hector, you are kicking off our manuary for us in a good way. Uh, so this is how we need to, to look forward to striving for. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer, then I want to get into our lesson. Almighty God, thank you once again for allowing us to wake up to another day. Father, we know there's a lot of things going on in the world, a lot of challenges, a lot of heartache, but there's a lot of joy, a lot of excitement as well. And Father, thank you so much, Jess, that you've allowed us to experience another year. We pray for all those that are going to be celebrating the, the New Year's coming in, Father. Uh, we know that Times Square is going to be crowded and chaos and pandemonium. But we pray that it will be a safe time, Father, that no incidents happen, that you will truly help it to be a celebration in bringing in a new year. Father, we love you and thank you so much for all that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to talk to us today. You can turn over to Genesis chapter 15. That's where we're going to start. But I want to talk to us today about people who dream, people who have a vision for their life. And hopefully by looking at these biblical examples, we can again revitalize our vision, our dream for who we are and what we want to do, not just in 2018, but beyond. And I say this because I'm not talking about a New Year's resolution. 
because we all can make New Year's resolutions, and they end around February 7th, February 8th. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about a different life, a vision for your life, a dream for your life. And many of us have dreamed before, have had spiritual dreams, spiritual visions, and for whatever reason, they may not have come to fulfillment. Maybe we got discouraged along the way and gave up. I don't know. But hopefully today will set us on the right path to get a vision back, to get a dream back for our lives. You really got to think about what is your vision, your dream for your life? What is this next year going to bring for you? Will it be a time for you to get baptized into the Lord instead of visiting all the time, make that decision of commitment? Will it be a time that you find a husband or a spouse? Will it be a time that you have kids? Will it be a time that your kids get baptized in the Lord? Will it be a time that you go into the full-time ministry, that you strive to be an evangelist or a woman's ministry? I don't know. The list goes on and on. But honestly, until you have a vision or a dream, nothing will happen. And it's so important that each of us look at our lives and say, I need to start dreaming again about doing something great for God and making a difference in the world. In Genesis chapter 15, the title of the lesson is, a vision for my life. A vision for my life. In Genesis 15, in verse 1, it says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord. And it was credited to him as righteousness. I want to talk about several things. I say several because there may be two on my list, but if it's all quiet, it's going to be four or six or eight. But I want to talk about several things that we need to have in our attitude and our mindset as we strive to have a dream and a vision for our lives in 2018 and beyond. The first one is this. We need to realize that our dreams, our visions, will need to be tested. Whatever your vision is, whatever your dream is, that will need to be tested. Not like a possibility, no. It's a need that it must be tested. Again, in uh, chapter 15, verse 1, the very first two words says, after this. Well, well what does that mean, after this? So obviously something must happen, must have happened to Abram before God gave him this vision. So I just want to kind of briefly go through, starting in uh, chapter 12, and just talk about what does the after this mean? What happened in his life? Well, in Genesis chapter 12, first of all, it says the call of Abel. So God called him to leave his country, to leave everything he had at the age of 75. And that in itself is a challenge right there. Leave everything you have, and I want you to go to the promised land. He doesn't know where it is. He doesn't know what direction. He just says, trust me, get up, leave everything, 
go to where I tell you to go. Shortly after that, Abram finds himself in a famine. It says in verse 10, there was a famine throughout the land. So now he's forced to take his family, his livestock over to Egypt. While he's going to Egypt, in verse 11, he gets a little bit scared and insecure. Because his wife is so beautiful, he thinks they're going to kill him and take his wife. So he says, I'll tell you what, pretend you're my sister. Don't say you're my wife, say you're my sister. Now, he said, because in actuality, we do have the same father but a different mother, so just say you're my sister. You know what? When you married, you married. It ain't nothing honest. That's your wife. But he was so full of fear that he quickly went to resorted to default his sinful nature and started lying about who he was and who she was. Now, the thing about the Bible that's so amazing is that the Bible does not sugarcoat. Here's Abram, the father of our faith, a great man in the Bible. But the Bible still points out his issues. See, the Bible is true. It doesn't try to paint a Christian to be this great person and put them up on a pedestal. So, no, no, no. This is who they are. This is it. This is real. Then that in itself should be my lesson today because some of us need to get out of that phase of thinking we have to look a certain way and realize the Bible says you just got to be real with who you are and where you are. I've been here six months, and it's like, man, this is New York. People hardcore up here, man. You can say whatever you want. I said, how's your purity going? What? what, what? All of a sudden, that hardcore in this stuff. We got to learn to be real with who we are. We can't hide things or put up a facade. We need to be honest. And so the Bible is honest about it. It didn't hide the fact that he's lying because he was so fearful. Then in verse, so first of all, famine, hardship challenged them. And then fear challenged his vision. Then in chapter 13, we look there, it says Abram and Lot uh, separate. So Abram is out there. He has his nephew, Lot. Well, they both have so much uh, of flocks and herds that their people started fighting over the land. So Abram says, i tell you what. You choose what direction you want to go, and I'll go a different direction. We don't need to have this kind of family conflict in our midst. Now, Abram honestly had the seniority. He could have chose which way he wanted to go. But he said, you know what? I'm going to let you choose where you want to go. you got to understand, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So just because you have a certain right does not mean you need to exercise that right. So he let Lot choose. Lot chose. And where Lot ended up was in Sodom and Gomorrah. But Abram went on his way. And then in verse 14, you see it says, Abram rescues, rescues Lot. Well, at that time, Babylonian king came in and defeated the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, took everybody away. So now Lot is a hostage. And old Uncle Abram said, hold up, that's my nephew. Even though he's a little crazy, he's still family. Some of us need to remember that because we are family up in here right now. And even if the elevator don't go all the way to the top, we still family. And we just need to bear with one another's issues. He says, so let's, let me get my posse together. We need to go get my nephew so he goes out there, they defeat the kings of, of Babylon, they rescue everybody. And then look at actually what it says here in uh, chapter 14, verse 21. It says, the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. Now here's the king who was just taken hostage. Abram comes and rescues him, and the king acts like he's got all this authority. I'll tell you what, why don't you just give me the people and you keep all this. That's how arrogant he is. And you keep all the goods. But look at Abram's response in verse 22. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, 
I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the thong of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me. He says, listen, I don't need your charity because I don't want you to ever say you made me the man I am. I trust in my God. He will take care of me. I don't need man's approval or man's name. I trust in God. So Abram went through hard times and famine. He went through fear. He went through family issues. He went through going through a war. And then he went through the test of prosperity because he could have had all these goods and people. He went through all those things, and he passed every one of those tests. Then you get to chapter 15, verse 1, and it says, after this. After what? After he went through 20-plus years of challenges, self-evaluation, drama, family issues, poverty. He went through all those things. And God said, now that you've gone through that, now I'm ready to give you a vision. Listen to me. 2017 may not have been the best year for you. But God took you through that whole year to help your character change, to help you get ready for the vision in 2018. It says afterward. Well, so what is the pattern? The pattern is simply this. Abram had to step out of faith and leave the promised land. He had to go through the hard times and the famine. He had to be self-evaluated with his fears, which made him become a liar. Again, his family issues with Lot, going to war, having problems. I mean, all these things happened to him. And yet he still was blessed by God with a vision of what God wanted to do in his life. Those who see their God-given dreams fulfilled may not be the most talented, may not be the best looking, may not have the most resources, but yet they persevere. They hold on. They don't quit. All those that are still here from years and years ago, you guys have gone through the test. You've stayed faithful. You've continued the race. But Satan just wants to stall you right now. He knows he can't take you out the picture because you done been through all the junk you can go through. But now he just wants to put you on pause for a minute. But God is saying, I don't need you to pause. I need you to look at 2018 and beyond. I need you to get a vision for your life. If you haven't made a resolution, let me share two things with you here as we look forward to the next year. First thing is this. Stop making what people did to us bigger than what Jesus did for us. That needs to be the first thing we think about. All the things people did, that's not bigger than what Jesus did for you. So first of all, we need to get our focus on straight of who's bigger, man's problems or Jesus, God himself. The second thing you've got to realize is that trials and challenges are not an elective class in the Christian life, but a required course. You must go through trials and challenges. It is not an option. You can't say, ooh, I don't want that. Ooh, I don't want... No, you have to go through. Things have to be tested to show your faith and perseverance in the Lord. Look in Psalms 34, verse 17 and 18. Psalms 34. See, many times we're thinking, man, all the troubles I had this year with my kids, I just don't know. You know what? That was just testing your faith. Because when it's all said and done, they see you're still faithful, you're still praying for them, you're still loving them, they know that God is bigger than the world. 
It's not a discouragement. God does these things to test and prepare you for something. Psalms 34 verse 17 says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Not some of them, all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You say, I feel crushed in 2017. You say, I had troubles in 2017. The Lord said, no, 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 what you got is you got a little closer to me. I'm a little bit closer. That's what you got. Writer A.W. Tozer said, it is doubtful God can use any man greatly until he has broken him deeply. Guys, if you're not broken by God, you're not going to be used by God. If we still feel like we got to control it, we got this, God's not going to be able to use you. And you know what? You're going to stay in that hard trial another year, another year, another year. But God takes us through those things so he can say, you know what? Now I'm ready to give you a vision. It says in Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Listen, it's not just about us. It's tempting when the road is smooth, the sun is shining, that we think, hey, we're doing this all for the Lord. But yet, when it's cold outside, and when it's like, oh, I got to fight the Hulk just to get to church, that changes everything. I appreciate what Cherry said. Somebody's asking for, you know, 50 cents. It's like, do I take time out in this cold to reach in my pocket and try to pull out some quarters that's going to be cold anyway and give it to somebody? Oh, no, no, no. I got to go home. See, we got to ask ourselves, am I willing to do everything through him who gives me strength? Abram was at that point after this that God said, you know what? Now, Abram, I want to talk to you about something. I got a plan for you. See, he wasn't ready for that plan until he went through all that he went through. And after he went through it, God said, okay, now you're ready to hear my vision. He wasn't even ready to hear God's vision until he went through all he went through. When you look back at 2017, how do you view it? Because it is so important how we view things. Either we view it with a healthy spiritual look or we view it from a self-confident worldly look. You gotta ask yourself, how do I envision? The first thing we need to see is that our dreams, our vision, must be tested. Secondly, we need to remember that God offers reassurance. God offers reassurance. It says, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision. Now it says in John 1.18 that no one has ever seen God. Now, God is not in the flesh except when Jesus himself but God himself has not been seen in the flesh. Besides, back in Abram's day, he didn't have a book of Genesis to turn to. He didn't have something like that. God gave him a vision to help him. Look in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Romans 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. You know what it says? If you ever doubt God, just go stand outside. And if you go right now, you're going to come back in real quick. But you don't don't understand who God is. You look at nature. You look at the ocean. You look at the, the, the geese flying around. Remember that? You look at everything. God is out there. He makes it obvious. All this is is God is trying to communicate with each of us in incredible ways. God is saying, I want to talk to you. Now, Abram had to have a vision, but God speaks to us through his word, through the living word. So we actually have more communication with God than even Abram, our father in the faith, did. Because we can pick this up every day, multiple times a day, and let God talk to us, and we communicate with God. Abram didn't have the tools we have today. 
So the question is, how much am I communicating with God? How much am I letting God communicate with me? See, 2018 approaching, you should, every one of us should not even think about missing a time with God the entire year. I appreciate my 16-year-old daughter who just got baptized. She said, you know what? I'm not going to miss a quiet time ever because I made a commitment to God. I want to give you my cell phone every night at 10 o'clock because I don't want any distractions. I'm going to be a better student. I'm going to be a better Christian. And I'm sitting there like, no, girl, with your bad stuff. You must get that from your daddy. Oh, uh, I mean, uh, you must, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it from my mama. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to move on to my next point. Sometimes I'm going to move on. Point number three. We have to replace fear with faith. As we move forward, yes, we have to replace fear with faith. Again, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, what did he tell Abram? He said, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. He says, I am your shield. He told Abram, don't be afraid. Okay, now what would Abram be afraid of? Afraid of the Babylonian kings that he defeated and won, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah? No. Would he be afraid of the, of, uh, of the king of Egypt, his wrath for lying to him about his wife being his sister? No. Why? Because he had already passed those tests. He's moved on. That wasn't his fear. His fear was keeping his faith according to God's plan. See, God had promised to make him great, but did Abram really have the faith in fulfilling that? See, here's the thing. God told him that, and it was, he believed it because it was a credit to him as righteousness. But because he believed it, he still had to have faith that it was going to happen. Listen to me now. We all believe in God. We believe he has something to prosper us and not to harm us for our future. We believe that he wants best for our marriages and our kids and our stuff. We believe these things. But do we have the faith to back up that belief and live it out? See, this is exactly where Abram was. He's, you know what? You're going to give me a kid? I'm 75 years old. And you're talking about this stuff? Actually, actually, at this point, he was 100 years old when he had his kid. And he's sitting there like, I know this is what you said is going to happen. But I, I just, ooh, I just don't know how that's going to work. But I believe in, you know, but I, I'm still not sure. And so when we're not sure, we try to take things into our own control. This is exactly what Abraham and Sarai did. Because in verse 3, what did he do? He suggested, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. He's saying, listen, this is your plan that I'm going to have all these descendants. So because I'm so old, I guess I need to hook up my servant to be the one that's going to fulfill these things. Because he couldn't really see God's plan, so he wanted to take control. And then you have his wife over here on the other side. And she has her own plan. In chapter 16, verse 1 and 2, she says, You know, why don't you take my Egyptian slave girl, Hagar, and sleep with her so we can have kids through her? What happened was they believed in God, but their fear and their faithlessness caused them to try to take control on their own. When you have a plan that is motivated out of fear, it never works. A plan that is motivated out of worry, it never works. And this is exactly what they did. Their plans wasn't God-centered. Because God wanted Abram to have a child of faith, not a child of fear. And this is so important. Because many times we try to do things out of fear. 
You know, I, I really want a relationship so bad. And if, I don't, if I don't get somebody right now, then you know what? It's not going to ever work out for me ever in life. And so we cling to somebody out of fear instead of faith. Instead of persevering in faith, we try to take control and go after it ourselves. And you know what? Those fearful relationships don't work. And it was not enough amens in here on that one, but that's okay. I'm going to keep preaching. And here's why. Because it happens even in our congregation, and many of you see it, but you don't say anything because they're your friends and you don't want to hurt their feelings, even though you know they're wrong. You don't stand up the way we need to stand up and help them to see this is fearful, not faithful. Turn to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17, verse 20. He replied, because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Listen, it's about our faith, guys. In every aspect, your marriage, your parenting, your personal life, your relationships, everything is about faith. Our theme for 2018 is we walk by faith, not by sight. I'm going to preach on faith for the first three months. We're going to talk about grace for the next five or six months. We're going to learn a lot about what the Bible says when it comes to being faithful and being graceful. Because we don't want some faithful, legalistic people. We want some faithful, graceful people. Because grace can lead you to say no to sin and not give in to it. Oh, the grace of God is going to cover me. Whoa, slow your roll, buddy. The grace of God tells you to say no before it even starts. You don't need to ask forgiveness if you say no in the beginning. There's a story I heard of a, a village in North, northern India. Everyone brought their products to the village to trade and to sell. One old farmer brought a whole covey of quail. He had tied a string around one leg of each bird. The other end of the strings were tied to a ring, which fit loosely over the central stick in the middle. He had taught the quail to walk dolefully in a circle, around and around and around, like mules in a sugarcane mill. Nobody seemed interested in buying the birds until a devout uh, brim came along. His Hindu religion taught him to respect for life, so he believed the birds should be set free. I want to buy them all, he told the merchant, who was elated. After receiving the money, he was surprised to hear the buyer say, now I want you to set them all free. What's that? You heard me. Cut the strings from their legs and turn them loose. Set them all free. With a shrug, the old farmer bent down, snipped the strings of the quail. They were free at last, but what happened? The birds simply continued marching around and around in a circle. Finally, the man had to shoot them off, pick them up, shoot them off. But when they landed some distance away, they resumed their predictable march in a circle. Free, released, yet they kept going around in circles as if still tied. Jesus has set each of us free. If you're not a disciple, he is saying, I'm willing to set you free from the life you're in. But here's the thing. Many of us keep going round and round and round. We look at this, we think, oh, stupid, dumb, pigeon birds, I don't even know what you are. But yet, how many times do we do that same, same thing? We say we're going to change something, and you know what, I'm going to be more loving to my wife, and it's never going to argue again, ever, in life. And then on the way home, where you want to go, I don't know, why are you yelling at me? And then it's on. How many resolutions have we made and broke? That day, that week, that month. We're not talking about a New Year's resolution. We're talking about a heart change, a different relationship. Not a resolution, but a relationship 
with you and God. John 8, 36 says, if the Son has made you free, you are free indeed. So the third attitude we need to have is we need to replace fear with faith. Too many of us are fearful of things. We need to get faithful of things. I appreciate I was talking to a young college guy here in our ministry. And he has an interest in a sister in a different state. And uh, I guess I just told who that was, huh? Oh, y'all know. But anyway, y'all don't know, but they all know. They're like, yeah, y'all know anyway. But I was talking to him, and I said, listen, if you want to make this work, you're going to have to get advice from people who've gone through this. You don't need to talk to all those college students who've never dated with somebody out of state and think, oh, they're going to give me great wisdom. Not happening. I said, what is your greatest fear? He said that she will find somebody else instead of me, that I will fade away and no longer be the person in her mind. I said, right. And that's a normal fear that people have, but it's worldly. You've got to be faithful. She needs to see a righteous man of God. And that is the thing that attracted her to you in the first place. So here's the thing. Too many times our insecurity leads us to going to a place where we shouldn't even go anyway. We're talking about Christian brothers and sisters. But we think about them sometimes in a worldly way. You know what? If I tell my wife I'm going to a movie with Sam and I get home at 11.30, I can walk in and be at peace. If she wasn't a Christian, she'd be behind the door with a baseball bat. Where you been? It's about trust. Guys, we've got to learn to be faithful and not fearful. Amen? And then finally, we need to recognize that a great reward awaits us. There's a great reward awaiting you if you have that faith in the vision. Again, in chapter Genesis 15, verse 1, it says, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. The Hebrew word for shield is often translated to represent protection, which is what a shield does. It protects us. It helps us. But the shield of protection that Abram needed wasn't from a war, of going out fighting with swords and clubs. He needed a spiritual protection to protect his faith. Look over to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. What we need is not a shield to protect us from war, but we need to make sure our spiritual faith, our love for God is being protected day after day. Ephesians 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. Listen, God says he will be our shield. You can't get a better shield than God. Because when you're tempted, what does he say? There will, he'll help you find a way out of temptation. There will always be a way out, but we've got to look for it. Even though temptations come, he can shield us in a way to protect us from it by giving us a way out of the temptation. Let's close out in Hebrews 11. Next week, we're going to start our series out of Hebrews 11. And we're going to go through every one of these characters in Hebrews 11 that are in the hall of faith. And we're going to see why they're there and what we can learn from each of them. But in Hebrews 11, verse 8, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place where he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents 
as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Walt Disney's widow was being interviewed after the completion of Disney World in Florida. The reporter remarked, isn't it a shame that your husband never got to see this? Ms. Disney quickly corrected him. He did see it. That's why it's here. People who keep their eyes on the prize can see what others cannot see. Don't get your eyes caught up on the problems and challenges. Look forward to the architect, God, and not to the world and what happens here. We need to realize our dreams will be tested. We need to remember God offers reassurance for us. We need to replace our fear with faith. And we need to recognize that we have a great reward that awaits us. Don't let this just be, oh, another New Year's coming. Let it be a life-changing year. Look forward to this year. Not because of what you're going to do, but because of what God is going to do through you. And to God be the glory. Amen.